Um, so this morning we have um, a little bit, maybe it's not so traditional, um, and I'm not dressed in a suit and tie because it's too hard to take on the plane, so I'm glad that you guys aren't all dressed in suits and ties this morning, making me feel comfortable up here. Uh, what I'd like to do first is give you a little update of where we're at and let you guys hear, not just from me, because you're going to have to listen to me twice, okay? A little bit now and then the sermon later. And so I want you guys to actually understand um, what we experience as missionaries, which is actually no different than you. We just have to do it in another language, okay? You guys are called as missionaries to where you're at, here, and God has called us over there, and, and maybe someday he'll call us back. We don't know. But what we do is, is really not any more special, but we get the opportunity to share it with you. So um, if you could uh, get the first slide up there. It might take a little bit because I've got to switch a few wires up there. Um, as he's doing that, I want to introduce real quick. Uh, my name is Ed Rumbled. I grew up in Morton, just uh, right next door, and uh, went to Morton High School, played sports there. Went through college playing, playing sports. Um, I don't play sports quite as quick now. I'm a little slower, a little older. Um, but uh, God gave us a, a desire to go over to uh, former Eastern Europe. Now they call it Central and Eastern Europe. Um, and so almost eight and a half years ago, we, we took him up. And we sold our things here, and we moved over to Slovakia. And for some of you who don't know, it used to be former Czechoslovakia. And in 1993, they had a peaceful split and went back to the Czech Republic and to the Slovak Republic. So with that, I want my kids and my wife to share so you don't have to hear too much about me. This is the real, whoa, this is the real us. Um, we, this is when we were trying to take good, like, prayer card pictures so we have something nice for people to see. Um, and this is more of what happens. So you can see some were listening. Gage was seeing if he, you know, gained any weight. Shaylee just didn't want to hear it anymore. Um, so we have some fun as a family. And we also want you to see this is the real us. Um, and just like, I think it was Uriah was back here. He just was in bare feet playing, playing the drums. And I, and I love that. Well, come as you are. And so I'm hoping as you hear the update, you're blessed. Not just because we're doing something, but because you guys can agree with that, and you know you're part of, of God's kingdom, um, whether it's financially or physically here as you serve in your local context. Um, so let's go to the next slide, and we'll jump right into the update before uh, we do any of the sermon. Okay, so Compass Life, I got to not turn so quick. Um, Compass Life, that is the name of our national organization, and um, it means compass. And so we... We are not a parachurch organization over there. Uh, we are a training organization so that the local church will do its job. And so everything we do, we say everything we do, we want it to happen, and, and we do it for the bride of Christ, which is you here, which is them over there, so that they will prosper, so that they will be the ones who are doing discipleship. So you can go to the next slide. So I'm only going to highlight some small things because uh, you don't know these people. So while pictures are great, you're not going to like look at somebody and be like, oh, that's great. I love to see Judy or Yurai or whoever. Um, so the top left picture, uh, our family is in there somewhere. 
every summer. We do summer camps. And, um, and so we have interns from all over who actually come. This summer, actually, we have five different uh, nationalities represented. Um, and they come and they serve in our English camps, our fusion music camps, our edge sports camps. And so um, this was just a picture of all the interns last summer before we really got going. The second picture on the top right is, uh, is our national organization. And then we, every year we have a conference and we bring a bunch of the people from around the country, a bunch of leaders who we see as key leaders to take it back to the local church. So if you can see, <clears throat> there's one guy that's from the Congo in Africa. I'm right next to him. Um, I've gotten to know him. He actually has lived in Slovakia for about 35 years. Um, it was wonderful in the language, married a Slovak, and so he's also serving there. So we meet these kind of people who, who can serve at different capacities, and so we want to train them so that they can even take the message further and deeper and more intentionally. Um, the bottom left was in February. I'm in there somewhere. This is uh, a training for younger leaders, because most of our work is with young leaders. Um, we say adolescents, so that... For us, that qualifies 12 to 24, 12 to 25 years old. But then leaders who are leading these leaders, so the 20 to like 35. And so uh, this is 19 different churches represented here from around the country. And we went through um, what it means to make disciples who make disciples. And we'll actually talk about that this morning because you have something written over here. And um, it's going to be a challenge for you guys that I'm going to give the that I'm hoping you're already doing, and if you're not, that you'll actually be not just inspired to do it, but, but have a burden to do it, a godly burden to do it. Um, the bottom is just our, a smaller team. It's not the whole team. We're about 30 of us total between interns. Um, there's probably six to eight of us Americans on the team, and we were just doing a team building time of, uh, of laser tag. And then the rest are Slovaks. One of our, for Josiah Venture, which is an organization I work with on the bigger scale, and Compass is a national organization, we, we want, and one of the key cores for us is indigenous empowerment, which means the nationals lead more than the missionaries. Um, and so we missionaries find the people who we see have potential, and then we want to pour into them. And so, uh, that's to the health of the team, the fact that we have almost 20 to 25 people on the national team who are nationals, and there's only six or eight of us who are, who are American missionaries serving on this local team. Um, but like I said, I don't want to be the only one who's up here speaking, so I'm going to call up uh, Shaylee now, and you can go to the next slide. Okay, so we're going to do a, a couple small things here, school, local church, and go ahead, you can come up here. Let me grab this over here for you. And then our house, and I'll explain our house because it sounds kind of strange. Do I have to turn it on? Or? Okay. Oh, there it is. You have to turn it on, Brad? Is it good? Okay, talking to it. Go ahead and talk. Yeah, I just didn't hit it. 
Okay, so Shaylee's gonna give you, through her view, uh, what school is like. And you can go to the next slide. Start with your name, that would be good. Okay. Hi, my name is Shaylee. <clears throat> hmm? Oh, you're fine. He'll do it. Go ahead. I know. So, in our school, um, me, Jalen, and Gage all go to the same grade school called Narnia. And um, most of the teachers there are Christians, some aren't. And that picture was, um, it, um, so I found a friend, I saw a friend on the ice when we were ice skating. And um, so we started to play together because we were friends from school. So Shaley, what is something in school, how do you learn? Do you have to take a lot of tests, do you have to memorize a lot? What do you need to do? We have to memorize a lot. Okay, and what's that mean? Like what kinds like of things do you memorize? memorize? For tests and poems and stuff like that. Okay, uh, what is one of your favorite things that you do in school that maybe is, it could be different than here? Um, what about the, do you, do you enjoy your teachers in school? Um, yeah. <laughs> this has all been rehearsed. Except for my art teacher that's really strict. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes teachers do yell a lot over in that culture. Um, so sometimes it's not so easy. But she actually has a good teacher there. Um, are most of the kids Christian, not Christian in the school? Or where do you go to school at? What, like, what's the name of the school? Okay. So talk about the teachers in the school and the kids real quick. Um, well, most kids just go there because um, they want to learn and get good, get good, get good grades. Mm -hmm. But um, they usually aren't Christians. Okay, so is it hard for you to be a good role model when they're there for Christ? Kind of. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to have Gage come on up here. You can hand it to him and then you can go back down. Okay, so Gage is going to speak a little bit. Uh, a little bit about something, uh, two things that are different, uh, unless they've started doing them here, that they do in the school there. So hi, I'm Gage, and like Shayla was talking about our school, uh, I'm going to talk about some of the fun things that they do in our school. For example, a ski trip. Uh, we, <laughs> we went there for a week with our class about a year ago. And we live in a mountainous area, so yeah. it's really easy to get, get to ski slopes. And so uh, they taught the people there how to ski, the ones who didn't know how to ski, and the ones who already knew how to ski to do like tricks and stuff, and it was really fun. And this other thing, it's called a school in nature. And they teach you like things in nature and uh, things like some plants and stuff. And So how long is this school in nature? It's about like a week and we go there with our class too. And we do fun things there and you don't only like study for tests and stuff. We also go out and like ride horses and so it's fun. All right. 
Okay, I'm gonna have Wendy come up. You can go to the next slide. Good morning, I'm Wendy. Thanks for letting us be here this morning. Um, I'm gonna tell you a little, bit, a little bit about what God is doing in Slovakia and some of the ministries that we're able to be a part of. In the top left is um, part of our local church. We are part of a Baptist church over there and we are thrilled to be able to help in some ways there. We teach Sunday school. And this was just one of the activities we were doing. And on the top right, we are involved in a couple small group that Ed and I have the privilege to lead. And our goal is to make it more of a community group where in the past they have just come together and heard lectures, but we really like the model that many American churches are doing where the small groups really get involved in each other's lives and deepen relationships. And we know that that's a vital part of growth and accountability, and we really want to bring that into the church there. Um, another area that we are involved in in church is our kids helping with leading worship. And we love it that they get that chance to be to grow in that area of leadership. And I don't have a picture of that. All I have is a video of them leading worship, but I'm not playing that for you this morning because I forgot and I was singing along with the worship and all you can hear is my voice. It ain't nobody wanna hear my voice this morning, <laughs> except my mom, but she's not here yet. Okay, then on the bottom slides are Ed and I. Um, I'm on the left teaching. One of my roles there is to teach first graders, and I teach English two days a week. And that's in the school that the younger kids go to. And we, I have been doing that for three years, and I'm happy to be able to be a part of their school and to help these first graders speak and be more confident in their English. Because the school is completely Slovak, but it's high level of English education. So they're happy to have native speakers come and help their students actually become confident in speaking. And on the bottom right is Ed's opportunity to teach. He goes into a high school in the city, a public high school, once a week. And he has the privilege of talking to those students. And he is able to invite them to the summer camps that we do with our um, organization. And so he has that chance to uh, be he isn't able to speak about Christ in the school, but he can tell them about the floorball leagues that he's um, starting and the camps that are coming up. So he loves that chance to speak to them about various topics and to just get them confident in speaking as well. Okay, you can just leave it there. You can go to the next slide. Um, I can turn it off for now. Um, <clears throat> So this may look kind of strange to have this here, but a lot of our ministry, uh, we do our best to do it out of our house. Um, and I think you can click kind of slowly through. It should be a couple pictures. So this whole terrace right here, you can see we have uh, those mountains in the background. It's a beautiful view from where we live. But this whole terrace, uh, you can see a little darker spot. It has a leak in it, and it had it when we bought the house but it's actually gotten bad enough that it leaks in in, in three different um, areas in our house. And I got a quote for it. And so those rooms were used for interns in the summer. And so the last probably year and a half, we're not using them because every two to three months, um, I go in there, especially in the bedroom where the, the girl interns were sleeping, and I scrape off some black mold and just try and keep it from getting too bad. But I got a quote, and so while we're here in the States, um, we're just seeing if people would want to give to that, because it came back the equivalent of $23,000 to rip the whole thing up underneath. And it's the front porch, too. It's not just the, the back porch. The front porch leaks in um, by the front door, and so some wood and stuff is bowing in our... You can go to the next picture. 
Um, and you can see it's fallen off. This is the front porch. You can go to the next one. Um, all that's fallen into the gutter. And so I think there's one more maybe. This is the inside where I uh, do my best to scrape it off and go one more. Um, <clears throat> so this is where the girls used to sleep, but they, they're not. We're just using it as storage right now. Um, and so we're beginning to save money for it, um, but the sooner we can repair it, then the less wall uh, or walls I'll lose as we go inside the house there. Um, but we love to do ministry out of our house, and so we want to get these rooms back in functioning condition. And so that's why, even though it's kind of an odd place to have it, that's why we have it there, because you can see it's actually better for us to get that away so that the, the house can breathe, um, where you saw the brick in the first picture, so that it dries out quicker. Because when I didn't the first year, I was, I was keeping water in that basement even, even longer, because it's built into a hill. And so everything drains and all of our insulation on the porch is cracked and, and that's why they have to rip it up back to the foundation and then go from there. Um, all right, so I'm going to have Tate come on up here after. He can, you can go ahead and come up. You can go ahead and play the video first, Marshall. So click one more time, I think. Okay, one more and this will give you an idea in video. There you go. That's ready for So Josiah Venture is our, is our international organization. We're in 14 different countries. And so I'm just strictly telling you the things we're involved with instead of boring you with all the different ministries that we're doing throughout the 14 countries. So Tate's going to explain a little bit about EDGE. Yeah, so <clears throat> we're in a, a mission called EDGE over there, me, my dad, and my two other brothers. And this is a picture from our first floorboard tournament we had over there in Slovakia. And there were four teams, uh, two from our hometown and two from different towns that are also in Slovakia. And you can go to the next slide. Yeah, so these are a couple of pictures from the tournament. You can keep clicking through slowly. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's my mom cheering us on and stuff. Uh, yeah, so 
the floral tournament for me, I thought it was really cool because uh, in the middle of everything, we had a little talk. And this one man from the capital city of Slovakia, he came and he had like the devotional for all the kids. And I think, were, were there more non-Christians there than Christians or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there were more non-Christians there than Christians. So I think it was a really great time and opportunity to share. Uh, yeah, so our team is in red, and uh, a couple of us played from our family, and then a couple of other guys. Stop there, Marshall. Yeah, so this is the last picture here, and uh, this was our goalkeeper for uh, the tournament, and he's not a Christian, and he's been coming constantly to the floorball practices we have. We have them every Sunday afternoon, and uh, there's a couple of other people on our team who aren't Christians as well, and every Sunday we share a little bit about who Christ is and what he means to us and, and how we can live out what he wants for us to the full. So, yeah, that's, that's about all from me. Okay. I'm going to have both Jalen and uh, Jace come on up here. You can go ahead and click twice so the music starts. One more, and it should start. It, it's on, so. Okay, so what you just saw there was a little bit of fusion, um, and that's what me and Jason Tate do together. It's like this, it's a group of people that meet every Wednesday, and we sing songs and learn songs, and then later we perform them, so it's kind of a concert style thing. And then we just hang out at that um, time that we're together, and we get to meet new people, and just, um, um, yeah, hang out with people and get to know each other better. And the thing is that when we started Fusion, uh, most of the people were non-Christians, so that was good, and we were bringing them in, and we could teach them about Jesus and what Jesus wants for them. But now most of the people are Christians, which is great, but we want to bring in more non-Christians, so you guys could be praying for us that we can bring in more non-Christians and teach them what Jesus wants for them and who he is. Okay, and then also um, me, Jalen, and Tate are part of... Um, through the, some of the slides. 
a part of a youth group there. Um, and it's youth group with a different church because our church doesn't really have a youth group, so we help this other church out. Um, and we are on the worship team for that, and we help them plan um, like the talk and the theme of it and different games. Um, so we meet once a week for that, and then the actual youth group happens once a month, and we have kind of, it's kind of a bigger event thing that um, a lot of kids come to, and not all of them are Christians. You can also be praying for that, that these people who hear, because we also talk about the gospel there a lot too, um, that they'll hear that and be open to what we're saying there. Um, so, yeah, that's for me. Okay. Okay. Thanks, guys. Um, this part here, we actually, we actually forgot our um, prayer cards and like update letters, so in between services, we'll try and get there and have some eventually, either for the second service or next week for you guys to have. But Marshall, you can go to the next one. I won't spend much time on this. Um, uh, I'll just read through this. Edge Sports, these are the things you can either be praying or praising for. So Edge finally got kicked off, which is great. I'm the only one doing it. I switched from doing the English camp ministry to now the Edge ministry, and so I'm the only one doing it. So one of the things I'm praying for uh, is a new Slovak and a new American full-time to come over there and to be part of my team so that I can get this off the ground because I'm tasked with the opportunity to make this national and to have churches all over the country doing it. And as one person, that's not so easy. Um, so it continued growth, but praise that it's actually starting because it's been a few years in the making. Fusion music and the directive album that our kids have in it. Um, starting deeper, more intentional small groups and teaching Sunday school in our local church like we shared about. Uh, Wendy also shared about teaching, uh, for her teaching in the local grade school and for me in the high school. And then simply, and hopefully this is a prayer for all families, but simply our family to be Christ-centered daily and to lead out of that daily relationship with him because if we don't have it, it's not going to go, um, it's going to be out of our own strength and we're going to get tired pretty quick because we, don't, we won't understand what Christ has for us because we're so enamored with ourselves and how good our talents are. Um, and so we really want to be about that. Um, <clears throat> again, this will be in that update letter that will be in the back. But these are just the ways, um, if you'd want to give, that you can give to it. And there's a couple different things. One is just the monthly. Um, one is one-time gifts to go to the house repairs if people would want to. And then that last one is for the edge so that we have some money in there to start helping some of these local churches to buy floorball equipment is the sport we're starting with that you saw Jason Tate uh, engage and Jalen in. Um, and so we would like to try to subsidize some of that, but make them also pay for some of it so they have ownership as we go about starting these um, teams and leagues around the country. So with that, uh, I'll try and make this transition into the preaching time. So this morning, some of that that you saw, some of the things that you heard, um, we're about discipleship. Now, discipleship is a great word, and a lot of people use it uh, in churches, and, and they should. Um, but we're going we're gonna to look at specifically today uh, the question, are you doing it? And this doesn't matter if you're older or younger. It, it actually matters if you're following what Christ has for you to, to start this 
to start doing discipleship if you're not. And so I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to go through five. We call it the discipleship continuum. It's something we use over there. Don't get lost in the five steps. Okay, this is just a tool. Okay, tool that is pulled from the word of God, but making it easy for us to understand how we can actually apply disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And that's what we want to be about. And making disciples just means you start with one person. It doesn't mean you have to do 10, 15, 20. Uh, we don't all have that kind of time, um, but we all should make time for at least one person to disciple. Um, and one of the easy, easy things is if you have kids in your house, um, that's where I start, and that's where I am, and that's where I'm serving. But I want to give more, and God's given me the opportunity to have more time to reach out to people who are outside our house. Um, so what I'm going to do, I need my notes. Um, what I'm going to do is go through these real quick. I'm going to spend time on two of them more than the others because I think they're important for us as we go through this. Um, so I'm going to jump right in because we took a little longer on the front end and, and I'm hoping you guys track with me. So let me pray as we get started. Uh, Lord, we, we know that the, the Word of God is actually the most important thing we're talking about this morning. Um, it's not about the rumbled family. It's not about um, the specific people who are up here for worship. But it's about your Word and whether it's going to have an influence in our lives or not. And so we're asking that you open up our hearts and our minds to take in what's said. And Lord, if there's something I'm saying that, that doesn't line up with Scripture, may, may each person be weighing the, the words that I say through the filter of Scripture so that so they're only taking home uh, what applies to glorifying and furthering your kingdom. In your name, amen. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to jump right into it. Okay, there's five phases. Marshall, you can hit the first one. Click one more. Okay. The first one is come and see. Now, over there, we, we do it this way. We say, come and see is not, discipleship doesn't start after you know Christ. Discipleship starts before. Which means our minds as Christians are thinking about how we can be with non-Christians so that they have an opportunity to hear the gospel. Because if we think of discipleship as only Christians, then we're never going to go outside this church. Um, and so my question for you as we start off is, what's the reality in this church, in Crosspoint? When you hear the word discipleship, what do you think? Like, ah, uh, Pastor Mark should be doing that. And if he's doing it, then we're all good. Or, or maybe Pastor Josh, because, I mean, he knows the word, so he should be able to speak to people, but I don't really know the word that well, and... Or, or Marshall, because he, he's up here leading the worship band, and so he should do it. And, and so sometimes in churches, that's how we think. The people who have some position to lead spiritually should also be the only ones doing discipleship. But that's not true. And so we want, uh, we want you guys this morning to be thinking about yourself. And so as we go through each of these, um, I'm going to give you two sides to each of them where you are and where the person who would be on this discipleship continuum or in these discipleship phases, where they are. And they're pretty straightforward. This is not rocket science. I'm not sure why rocket science gets all the credit, but this is not rocket science this morning. 
Um, so in Come and See, uh, you can look up these verses as we go. This is where the disciples meet Jesus. Um, and it doesn't actually say, uh, we assume that they probably at least were religious. does not mean they knew Christ because Christ was just showing up on the scene for the first time. But one of them sees it. He goes back and gets another brother. This happens actually twice. And, and what happens is his brother's like, come and see. Come and see the Messiah who, who we've talked about and we've heard about in our, in our Israel, uh, Israel you know, history. And so one person is hearing it and calling another person to come and see. And I'm saying there's two sides to this. We actually, as Christians, we want to be calling non-Christians to come and see. Check out Christ. There is no other hope better or more founded or has more stability than in Christ. And he is our hope. And so we don't want to shirk this responsibility to be out there among non-Christians to get them in. And if you're here today and don't know Christ, truly, and maybe as we go through this, you'll, you'll, you'll question if you know him. I don't know. If you don't, come talk to some of the staff. Come talk to me. We'd love to share who Christ is. I've, I've been around church groups long enough to know that I, I can't just assume that everybody that walks in the church doors that's in front of me right now knows Christ. And so I, I don't want to ever go through a service without giving that opportunity. So if you don't know Christ and you really want to know more, listen up. Today might be your day uh, to actually get to know Christ and start a personal relationship. So the two sides of come and see um, is you the Christian, okay, this is all of you if you know Christ here, it's you the Christian and, and the second side is the unbeliever, the person who doesn't know Christ. Um, and this is a great place to start praying that God would actually give you a burden for that. And I think we hear that like, give me a burden for the lost, please. I gotta go to work. I got my next responsibility. We don't actually sit and think about the people who don't know Christ and have no hope. And so I'm hoping we do, we do that a little bit this morning. And, and I'll challenge you at the end um, with something specific. I won't be able to follow up with the challenge. Um, but if you take it, it'll make you pretty uncomfortable, um, which, is, which is actually a great place to be. Okay, second one. Um, Repent and believe. Now the Bible is clear that uh, even the, the demons shudder, believe, and they shudder at the fact of who Christ is. But I want, the reason we have repent up there is because often we want to do this tidal wave of everyone, hey Jesus is love, accept Jesus, and I believe in Jesus, but there's no foundation. And if they don't understand that, they don't understand what their hope is really in. And so I'm going to read a couple, uh, uh, one quote, and then I'm going to explain, and this is the one of the ones I want to spend a little more time on because this is really important. Um, David Platt in his book, Follow Me, says, For every Christian in every culture, repentance is necessary. This doesn't mean that when people become Christians, they suddenly become perfect. That'd be great, but it's not true. Um, or never have any struggles with sin uh, ever again in their life. But this does mean that when we become followers of Jesus, we make a decided break with an old way of living. And I love that. It, it is really true. We actually make a break with our old way of living 
and take a decisive turn to a new way of life. We literally die to our sin and ourselves, our self-centeredness, our self-consumption, our self-righteousness, our self-indulgence, our self-effort, our self-exaltation. You get the point? There's a lot of self happening here, and we don't want that. And that's not what Christ calls us to. So in the words of Paul, we have been crucified with Christ and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And if we don't understand that, that repentance is because we can't do it. And if we don't have Christ living in us, we're not going to get very far in the Christian life because we don't understand why we've even accepted Christ. It's not a... While this is a great start, but it's not a little repeat this prayer after me or to be saved or to get out of hell free card. No, we, we need, <clears throat> and hopefully this is a decision you made when you accepted Christ, and they need to know and understand repentance because repentance is key in accepting salvation. Now, I don't want you to gloss over the words that I'm saying because you're hearing some church words. Repentance, salvation, acceptance of Christ. Um... But otherwise, if we, when we accept Christ and we don't understand repentance, we, we don't accept him knowing our wretchedness before a holy God. And we don't truly believe that then we need him. There's a lot of Christians who are going off and they, so they accept Christ and then they go on. They don't live any different. They don't actually see a need for Christ because they've never actually repented. And... The good thing is, is I don't have to, you don't have to be the judge of that. That is up to Christ. I'm just saying if we're the ones that get to be involved in someone's lives, let's show them who God is because a holy God would help us to actually see that repentance is necessary. Um, so often what happens is we believe, but then there's no real need for Jesus um, because we, we've accepted him cheaply and we don't understand the offer that had been laid out or has been laid out before us. So, as I was thinking about this, I had a friend, um, and he was from this area, so I'll use a different name. Most likely none of you know him. But I had a friend named Bob, and back when I was 17, we went to Mexico on a mission trip. And I, uh, he went down there as a church-going kid. And on the last day, while we were down there, we were speaking about Jesus, not just me, but our, our group, our youth group, and, and he accepted Christ. So even on mission trips, okay, you don't have to always take Christians on mission trips. Sometimes that's a great way to introduce them to Christ when the whole team is working together and they see the body of Christ. I'm not saying it's the best way. I'm just saying that it happens, and we've had it over there um, where people have played the facade for so long, and now they realize they need Christ. So um, I'll call him Bob. This guy, Bob, was down there with me, and he, he was in the moment, and, and he, he accepted Christ, and everybody was excited, and everybody's giving him a hug. And, and so because I was close to him, this was in the spring of my senior year, and so I had a little more time with him, and he kept coming to church. And then I went off to college three or four or five months later, and I would keep up with him just a little bit. And, and this Bob wasn't living for Christ at all. In fact, he wasn't even showing a life that knew Christ. He was doing things 
that were opposite of what a man of God or a woman of God would do. And um, this doesn't happen. You probably won't get this opportunity in your life too often. But I had, a few years later, I had the opportunity to ask him because I had been tracking with him. And I said, Bob, what, what happened on that mission trip? Did you really accept Christ? I had a relationship where I could ask him. And he said, I said, do you, do you know Jesus? Is he really your Savior? Did you really accept him? And he said, are you going to heaven? And he said, no. And I was shocked because most people aren't even going to admit this. And I said, well, then what was it? When we were 17, I was in that room when you made a profession of faith. And then he said, well, I just saw how excited everyone was and I got caught up in the emotion and I made a decision for Christ. But I don't actually want to follow Christ. And to this day, he's still not following Christ. So that's why. He, does, he didn't understand repentance. He didn't understand discipleship. I was, it's not, God gives us the responsibility, but the results are up to him. And so it was a big, big deal. And I, I, we don't always get to see the second side of that, but, but he was honest enough with me to say, no, I didn't actually accept Christ. What I did is I accepted the emotion that was happening that night. And so I want us to be people who are going to move out and actually show people that they can't do life without repentance because then they, they still do everything in their own strength. And we want them to understand that the strength that we have actually comes through our Father, through Jesus Christ, as our, we can use another big word, propitiation, but as our replacement, as someone who came in and took our sins so we could actually have eternal life. Okay, move to the next one. So come and see, repent and believe, follow me. And this is the second one I'll spend a little more time on. Re Follow me is where I would say majority of the churches around the world are at. We're comfortable. We accepted Christ. And please don't ask me to do any more. I come to church on Sunday. I give some money to the church. And I help sometimes in, in a ministry there. But, but I, I don't really want to do more than just always take in. And, and that's not what you've been called to do. You haven't been called just to come to church to listen to some weird guy who lived in Morton and now lives in Slovakia talk about Jesus. Or when Mark preaches, or John, or Marshall, whoever is up here, they're not the ones who are responsible for your spiritual well-being. They're just building on what should be happening in your daily life. And so follow me is where we get stuck. We sit there. Some, some Christians will be in the follow me phase their whole life. Man, you don't want to do that. You don't want to waste that time. When you know Christ, you don't want to waste that time and just sit there under teaching and teaching and teaching and never give it away. Um, because the problem is, is there's, there's two sides of this again, is you are, you're the discipler, or you're, you're the believer discipling um, someone here in phase three, and then it's the believer who is being discipled. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, but the problem is it's easier to learn principles than actually apply them. Uh, I was meeting, when I first went over, I was meeting with a guy named Yurai, 
And um, he would come and he would help me with my English, or my English, I need help with English too. Um, he would help me with my, my Slovak as I was learning the language. He was super patient, a Catholic kid who had um, actually uh, become a Christian and was actually trying to, trying to get his parents to see that mom, it's not about the tradition, it's about the relationship. And, and her response was, you'll just see in time. You just need to do the right things, um, but you'll see in time. It's not really about the relationship. And so this is the kid I was working with, and, and actually it got to the point where um, I would like to tell you I have a great story and that I, that I was this great missionary, but after a few years, um, he just wanted to be comfortable. And I would write him, and he said, well, I, I just go to church and stuff. I don't really, I don't really do anything, and I, I'm not really serving anymore. It's... That's not where we want to be. Don't take a bunch of principles that even I'm teaching this morning or your, your church body teaches you and just say, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and have a great lunch and I'll think about these things again next week. God hasn't called us to that. And if I could be so bold, that's actually really lazy. I think God's called us to much more and follow me it should just be a stepping stone for you as a man of God and a woman of God in this church. Okay? We can go to the next one. Um, so it's a little bit redundant here, which I love because this means this is where I would say the heart of discipleship is happening. So in follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We know what that is from the Bible. We know what God or what Jesus did during that time. Uh, when, he, when he was meeting with the 12. But this is, this is the area, the two sides of this one um, is you, the believer, of course, giving leadership to whoever you're discipling, um, and the believer is starting to take ownership. Okay? So it's not just me up here talking to you and that's it, but you're actually going to give over some, some of that training that you've given and you're actually going to push the person you're with to do the things that they're learning. Um, I know that at times uh, I, I have pushed, um, hopefully in a good way, sometimes Jason Tate, my oldest two, they don't always like it, but I've, I've asked them at different times to share either testimony or a word at the floorball times that we do on Sundays because I know that as they speak the word of God, as they teach it, even if it's something small, God's giving them confidence to say, I can do this. I can reach out. And they're doing it in front of a few kids. But if you're just doing it one-on-one -on -one to some friend and you're helping them like, hey, I've got a small group, you're going to lead this part. So this is beginning to pass off that ownership and this is what Christ did with the disciples. But we often, again, say, oh, that's Christ. He can do everything. But that's why he gave us the model. The stuff you learn here is not to be stuck inside these church walls. They're to be practiced and pushed outside these church walls so that more people can get inside these church walls and hear about the depth and the love of who Christ is. And the last one, it's not going to be any surprise. Marshall, you can hit the last one. Um, this is the multiplication. I am sending you. So in college, I started off as this quiet, you probably wouldn't know it now, um, if I'm standing up here speaking to you, but I started off as a quiet kid, and I grew up on the farm, and 
these kids, these students with me, they, they came in and they were, they were excited and they, were, they had these great, you know, um, aura about them and I was like just in the corner and don't talk to me and because I didn't quite understand my potential and I had a professor the first year, um, he said, I, I, I think that you have a heart for people. And I've always had a heart for people. I, want, I knew I wanted to be a missionary since I was 14, overseas. And he said, I see something in you. Really? Yeah, you've got a heart for people that I don't often see. And, and I think youth ministries would be youth ministries and adolescent studies. And, and part of that was a, a, a minor in theology. And he said, I think this is where, where God wants you. Why don't you pray about it? I was like, farm boy who loves sports. I know how to work hard. The farm didn't make a whole lot of money. Being in ministry is not going to make a whole lot of money. So I did it. And so over four years, he spoke into my life. And as we did it, he actually moved me on and had, try this, try this, lead this, lead this. And so now, uh, he is still, at, at 62, 64, he's still in ministry. He disciples about 20 guys, because that's, his, that's part of his full-time thing. He disciples about 20 guys at a time. Um, and now, I, sometimes I'll call him if I'm doing something in ministry, but, but he sent me out. And because of him, I'm not just going to sit at home anymore. I'm not going to just come to church anymore. I'm going to go beyond that and say, this right here, this making more and better disciples for Jesus Christ, um, I, I, would, I would almost change and say making more and better disciples with Jesus Christ. The longer I live, the more I know I, I, I don't do a whole lot for Christ, but with Him because I, I don't quite understand always what I'm trying to do until He makes things clear for me. And so this is what this professor, Professor Steve, gave to me as a gift by sending me out. And so now I've got a wife. I've got five kids who, who have started doing this on a smaller level. And I love it. And I, and I get rejected over there. I've been called radical. And I'm, I don't even consider myself super radical in terms of the gospel. We live in a very easy place, in my opinion. There's not a whole lot of persecution. People just think I'm crazy at times, but it's not bad. Um, and so this is what I want for you. I would love for, for the community around you to think, those people cross are a little crazy, and I, I've got to get over there. I've got to be with them. Because they had me over to their house, and there's just something different about them. So these are the five. Come and see, repent and believe, follow me, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men and I am sending you. And so now comes the challenge here at the end um, before, we, before we take communion and Mark comes up here. Um, and here it is. You can go to the next slide, Marshall. Go ahead and click on both of them so you can see it and you can write these down. So the first one is, if you are willing, and I pray that you are willing, because it's going to put you in a little bit of an uncomfortable spot. And remember, it doesn't matter if you're 85 or you're 21, 15, you can start any of these things. 
So my challenge to you is to write down the name of someone you will contact in the next week and start discipling if you're not discipling. Now some of you are like, I don't know, I, I don't know how to disciple. And if you know Christ and you understand the hope that's been given you, you don't actually have, it's not a five-step process. What I did is I gave you five steps so that you could see where someone is, but I told you it's a tool. Relationships don't have a five-step process. Someone may go from come and see to, to I am sending you in a year and a half, and someone may take four years. People mature at different rates in Christ. But if you never talk to them, they're never going to mature at all because there's no one talking to them. And I think it's an awesome responsibility that God has invited us into. So the first one is to write down the name of someone you will contact in the next week to start discipling, especially if you're not doing it at all. Someone at work, someone to sit next, in the next cubicle, someone on your sports team. Because in the come and see phase, it's building a relationship and spending time. I don't want you to stay there, but that's all it is. It's getting to know the non-Christian. Um, and it's not that hard because non-Christians are everywhere. So it's not going to be that hard to find them. The second one, and it could be the same person, write down the name of a non-Christian because this, the top one could be someone who you know just, they could go further in Christ. And so you can actually just start pushing them. They may be in the third phase of follow me and you can, you can guide them with the help of Christ to the fourth and the fifth phase. And I'm saying just start with one. Don't try and take on five. It's, sometimes it's kind of intimidating. But the second one is even a bigger challenge. If you're not discipling anybody and you want to start from phase one, then write down the name of a non-Christian that you will intentionally start spending time with with the purpose of introducing uh, the gospel to them. It's really easy. I could spend time with Christians or non-Christians all week long for years at a time and actually never introduce the gospel to them. So the second part of that challenge is actually pretty important, is that you're going to do that to, to introduce the gospel to them. So let's pray, and uh, as I pray, um, Pastor Mark will come up, and we'll do communion. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to, to teach about discipleship, and uh, I personally, Father, am asking that we don't get stuck on the five phases, but that they would be used as a guide um, from Scripture. Uh, they are biblically based, but it is just a tool in terms of the phases and how to see it. Each individual life will go at different rates. Um, and sometimes someone will be on fire for, for you and they'll be in phase four. And maybe a couple months later, they're just back in, in phase three wanting to be lazier and just, just take in, take in. And so would you give each of us here wisdom um, for those of us who are going to take this challenge, and I do hope it's each person, that we would look at these things and these different phases and say, these are the people that you have in my life and I would like to move them forward in you because I've been given the hope in you. So Lord, we ask these uh, specific things and we thank you for the opportunity to be here and teach about you in your name. Amen.